Captain's Jog. Stardate running dot sucks. I'm Captain Britain. And I'm Orion Auctioneer Pat. These are the voyages of the Starship USS Quahog, our ongoing mission. To explore new Trek episodes, to seek out old Trek, to kill Lewis, <laughs> and to boldly go to, to Eric Soong's Boom Boom Room. Soy Trek the Podcast is here. One half vegan, one half queer. A hundred percent communist. Unless we have a less leftist guest. Patrick and Britain. Talking, joking, farting and shitting. Star Trek, like our buttholes, this show's a wreck. Soy Trek, the podcast is here, so listen to Soy Trek right in your ears. I didn't almost said it. I know you did. You almost slooped <laughs> up the rears, but you didn't. You didn't this time. I didn't. I was, I was you gotta, about to. You got like, hey. a dry, chapped asshole now. <laughs> you got to lube up that ash every morning. <laughs> Otherwise, it's like an ellipse in, the, in a dry cold. You know what I'm saying? I know, I know. You gotta, I gotta put some Burt's Bees up in that asshole. <laughs> um, welcome to Soy Trek, uh, the show where two Trekkies ask themselves, can I share with you the soon of my people? Oh. As you may have noticed, we have ads now. Don't want ads? I don't want ads either, but you know what? We've got to make fucking money somehow. We're doing yeah. like five, six hours of content a week, making tons of shit. Like, you know, you know, we gotta, we gotta have something to show for this. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting, putting, putting in so much effort. I want something to show. Slaving over it. Yeah, Orion slaving. Over Orion it. slaving over it. Hell yeah, <laughs> the best type of slave. Um, so soldiers, for as little as two dollars a month, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs and not only get ad-free episodes, but you also get all of our episodes the moment I'm done making them. You also get them in high quality stereo MP3 instead of that shitty mono sound. Mm. You know, fucking you know who did mono stuff in mono? Fucking Scott Joplin. And you know where he is now? Hell. He's been dead for like 80 years. <laughs> All right? Yeah. Fucking Maple Leaf Rag, bro. Like, Maple Leaf, you're fucking dead, buddy. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> and instead of uh, having to wait like everybody else uh, for them to trickle out over the week, you get every single episode the minute I get done making them. So you don't have to wait for them to trickle out, like, uh, you know, trickle down economics, which mm. definitely works. Yeah, it definitely works. Totally works. Always like, has. Always will. Look at this beautiful society we've built on, uh, uh, because of trickle down economics. Hell yeah. <laughs> it trickles all over me all the time, yeah. and I love it. Mm. Don't, don't we love that, folks? <laughs> feel it trickle down your face. Also, if you pay us $5 or more, we mention your name in the podcast and say thank you to people just like Dan Morrison, Dylan Lance, Joanna Hearn, Jordan Hale, Nick Savard. Shane Sawyer and David Croning Seats. Hell yeah. Who are all awesome and deserve a film that was only ever released on VHS. So if you're listening to this and in any position to give them a film that was only ever released on VHS, do, you it up. do that. Yeah. yeah, why not? Once again, that is patreon.com slash dumb idiot BS. That's dumb idiot and the letters BS, which stands for bullshit, but also stands for for babysitter, which is not a coincidence. No. 
not a coincidence at all. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, we are kind of babysitters. I'm sure there are a lot of our listeners probably, like, you know, like, when they leave their child alone at, alone at home, they just put on Soy Track. Soy track and oh, then, yeah. And then, like, the child, Wise. Wise. And the child is so enraptured by what we mm-hmm. talk about. They just, like, sit there and behave themselves and definitely don't swallow any sharp objects. So. Or, you know, questionable liquids. <laughs> or questionable liquids. So, like yeah. semen. So, yeah, that's, that's what we're saying. Like, we're good babysitters. Just, like, if you want to leave... You want to leave the house for like eight to ten hours, mm-hmm. with, and just leave your kid at home alone. Just put us on, and mm-hmm. and then everything will be fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're not exactly like babysitters club because instead no. we have a babysitters baseball bat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, and with that, uh, we watched a classic uh, Trek episode for the week. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we got uh, last week the number seven hundred and eight. Mm. What, what series do you think that corresponds to, Pat? Enterprise. Hell yeah, we get into some Enterprise, baby. Enterprise, yeah. Enterprise, yeah. Enterprise, yeah. Enterprise, yeah. Hey, Enterprise 4.4, episode called Borderland. Mm-hmm. This one was written by Ken Lezebnik, who wrote two episodes of Voyager, and then went on to be one of the main producers of Touched by an Angel. Ugh. Right? Weird, huh? <laughs> I was like, when I read that, I'm like, really? <laughs> That's a weird 180. Well, I haven't thought about touching, Touched by an Angel in a long time. Yeah, I mean, I haven't either, because there was, like, no real, like, inappropriate touching from angels, no, so I, I kind of yeah. gave up on that one real fast. Yeah, who was the, who was the star of that show? Who cares? I, I remember. I remember seeing it come on. I'm all gonna the say time. Clarissa Flockhart. I don't. I don't even know. Roma Downey. What the fuck is what? <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> That's yeah, like the, uh, <laughs> Roma Downey sounds like you're trying to insult a. a uh, <laughs> never mind. Um, oh, it looks like she's just been in lots of just like religious movies. Like, oh, one like of those. Stuff like the Bible, Ben Hur, Son of God. Oh, so she's basically like uh, the female version of like Cormid Burnson at this point. Or uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kevin Sorbo. Oh, right, right. Yeah, and just doing, do, just she's swerving it up. I mean, well, there's a difference though, because Kevin Sorbo has not only gone Christian, he's gone like right wing and like off the deep end. Whereas at least Corbin Burnson is at least like not publicly an idiot. Yeah. He's just like, he just takes roles where you're like, oh, I know his politics by seeing him in this that movie. That is true. Like, uh, Kevin Sorbo came out with a, um, um, Antifa movie where him, at, <laughs> where, where his, his small podunk town is attacked by like elite Antifa. Elite um, Antifa. Yeah. Like all these people, it's, it's basically like kind of like a assault on precinct 13 Amazing. type thing where like, uh, he's protecting his family from these evil Antifa that are trying to break into his house and kill him. Yeah. I've, been, I've been wanting to watch it, but also not because I, I, just like I tell you, like, isn't, isn't it more of like an attack on Precinct eighty eight though? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a practice <laughs> attack on uh, Precinct fourteen words. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it's it's just so funny because it's like, yeah, why would why like why would they uh why would they be in this like podunk town like trying to kill them? But it's just like just yeah, it doesn't like Antifa are like centralized in urban areas because that's where like you know the most of the fascists like are active oh yeah i think it's called the reliant 
amazing. Oh, which is funny. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, the USS Reliant. USS Reliant, yeah. It's like economic collapse causes widespread rioting, social unrest, leaving lovesick 19-year-old girls struggling with care of their siblings in a stretch of woods, worried by lawless anarchy, wondering why a good God would let this happen. That sounds amazingly stupid. Yeah, I've been, I'm kind of wanting to hate watch it. Yeah, we should do that. I mean, you know, we already... We went past the deep end and watched 2025, The World Controlled by a <laughs> yeah. Virus, which it can't, it can't get worse than that, right? It literally cannot get worse. I mean, I, I'm I'm confident that that's the worst movie. That was really bad. I mean, that, that's, even, no, that's the worst movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm confident that is the dumbest and worst movie ever created. Yeah, content, acting, and just like, uh, just the story. Mm-hmm. It's just like, uh, yeah, like, just like garbage. The, the scenes just like dragged on and on, and it was like... Immediately clear, like th- in like the first twenty seconds of every scene, you're like, "Oh, this wasn't scripted." Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like people having a conversation about how much they love God and stuff like that, and, and how- also spray painting uh, leaves. Oh yeah, spray <laughs> spray painting leaves on the ground. Oh my god! And then like a girl gets shot for spray painting, mm-hmm. and so they decide to go out the next day and spray paint some more. Yeah, it is wild. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I'm sure I'm sure Reliance probably on. Probably like a step above. I'm. It does. It did look like it has at least action scenes, like from like trailers I saw, where it's okay. like it has Antifa people like bursting through um through through their windows and stuff. And it'd be like, cooler if they were like chest bursters, like an alien. <laughs> yeah, like ah. <laughs> yeah, it has like Antifa people on dirt bikes trying to <laughs> trying to beat them up and that stuff. Rules. And, <laughs> God, I wish Antifa were like that cool and that well funded to where like <laughs> yeah. we just like terrorized small conservative towns. Mm-hmm. That would rule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, and then this uh, this episode was directed by David Livingston, who has directed over sixty episodes of various Trek, hmm. which is fucking insane. That is like, insane. Absolute legend there. All righty, so we open on a Klingon ship with a Klingon ops officer telling his captain, played by the one and only J.G. Hertzler, Mister Fucking Martok yeah. himself. That there's a stranded ship with two human life signs on board on their scanners. That's a second. Uh, how many Klingons? Did he, he was also the uh, Klingon um, uh, uh, lawyer. Right, right. In that one episode, we're fucking. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, like uh, uh, like um, f- um, what's his face is on um on um on trial. Uh, um, Scott Bakula is on trial, and and um and uh, uh, J.G. Hertzler plays a Klingon lawyer that. Uh, that uh, protects him and mm-hmm. like talks about the true Klingon. Yeah, and that was on the previous season, I think. Yeah, I think season two or something. Oh, season two. Uh, yeah, because yeah, this one, um, notably, uh, this is Gigi Hertzler's final live performance in Star Trek. Wow. Of course, he's been on Lower Decks a couple times since then, but yeah. this is his uh, final live action sequence. Mm. It's kind of, you know, sad because we fucking love Gigi Hertzler. Hey, like, uh, as of right now, I mean, Mm. We're still hoping for a Martok uh, and season three of oh, Picard. We better get a Martok. So <laughs> uh, they tractor beam the ship in and find two men, Malik and Saul, who they attempt to take into custody, but uh, end up beating the living fucking shit out of them. The the Malik and Saul. Yeah, and it's super sick. Like one of them, oh, like, yeah. kicks one of the Klingons like down a hallway, yeah. like down an entire hallway, <laughs> yeah. and it's sick. Yeah, they're just doing full on kung fu. And yeah, shit. yeah, they do. They're doing some sick kung fu. Like, yeah. this is one of the first times where I'm like, oh, this is how Star Trek is supposed to work as an action show. Yeah, like it felt so much more authentic and like I don't know, authentic to 
not only the narrative, but just the Star Trek universe than anything I've ever seen on, mm -hmm. you know, like Discovery or, uh, I don't know. One thing that I really just never, ever, ever, ever bought on Discovery is the fact that, like, Philippa Georgiou and um, Michael Burnham, just the two of them take out, like, an entire ship full of Klingons in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Yeah. And I was like, no. <laughs> no, no I'm not buying that. Like, like, Michael Burnham is the most overpowered character in all of Star Trek. Yeah. Like, she is, I don't think she's ever lost a fight. Like, she, she fights Book, who has, like, six inches and a hundred pounds on her, <laughs> yeah. and beats the shit out of him. And I'm like, no, I don't accept that at all. That's dumb, in fact. Yeah, maybe Book's not, 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 a, not a kung fu guy. I mean, it's obvious he knows martial arts, though, on the show, yeah. like, during their fight. Like, it's, yeah. it's just, I don't, there's, like, there's a reason weight classes exist, <laughs> and when, like, two people do hand-to-hand -hand combat, and one of them is twice the size as the other, and they somehow lose, mm -hmm. I don't buy it most <laughs> of the time. I mean, that can happen under yeah. specific rule sets, but in, like, an actual street fight, unless you immediately take their knees out, like, the bigger person is almost always going to win. Yeah, I know. Well, I, I did, I had, you know, when I took uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I did have my ass kicked by a, by a girl that's like five feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> what happens? Did she take yeah. out your knees? Did oh, she get well, you on the ground immediately? Well, we were doing ground stuff, yeah. Oh, well, you were okay. You're yeah. doing ground stuff. But that that's the thing, is they weren't. They were doing, they, all they did was striking during their fight. Yeah. And the smaller person on a striking fight can't win. Mm. Like, basically by definition. They don't have as much reach, but in... And it, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Stupid. So, uh, uh, the Malik and Saul, uh, now having all the Klingons' weapons, end up killing the entire crew with some sick fucking karate. Yeah. They then take their weapons and find the bridge and kill the entire Klingon crew, including... J.G. Hertzler. J.G. Hertzler, those motherfuckers. So I already hate them. Yeah, fuck them. Uh, and, and this is the point where we get the theme song. Now... Yes. Uh, it's no lie that I love Faith of the Heart. Yeah. Faith of the Heart is a great song. I totally forgot, I think on the third season, they do like a remix of the song, and it fucking sucks. It's, it's terrible. It's basically if you took one of the pre-recorded beats on a keyboard mm -hmm. and just did that over the song. S straight up, because like <laughs> the bass line doesn't really fit or anything. It's this weird groovy thing where it's like, dude, yeah. dude, 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 dude. Do, do. And it's like uh, the drums try to do a groove that just don't doesn't fit with the song at all. Like the song just fucking sucks in this version. It kind of sounds like a ringtone over top of it. It does. It sounds like a ringtone, and they're doing like fucking like a, like a classical Latin jazz kind of beat yeah. and stuff over it. But then there's like this constant acoustic guitar, so mm -hmm. it just sounds like fucking like maybe a church band invited the fucking like latin band from the catholic church next door or something to play for one sunday yeah. it's terrible it does like suck. and it sucks because i love the song but like I, I could i couldn't stand it and i watched this episode three times and each time i'm like fuck and the second two times i just skip through because i'm yeah. like fuck this version of this song. yeah <sighs> back on earth <laughs> uh dr eric soon played mm. by none other than brent spiner because all soons are played by the same person they are uh, he sits in his prison cell, his Soong Soong room, <laughs> working on plans for improvements of the human genome. Mm -hmm. It is announced that he has a visitor, and he is made to stand to have his magnetic cuffs activated. His visitor is none other than Captain Jonathan Archer. Mm -hmm. Soong recognizes him and asks what he's doing there, saying he's busy, 
but it's not every day he gets to speak to the man who saved the planet. Because, mm-hmm. like, uh, in the previous episodes, like, at the beginning of season four, basically, like, a uh, whole big thing happens. Archer and his crew have to save the planet, and we're just coming back from uh, the Enterprise had to come back to Earth for a whole bunch of repairs and shit. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so they've all been enjoying a little bit of time off. Um, a little shore leave. A little shore leave. Howard shore leave. <laughs> uh, Archer inquires about Soong rigging a pad to de- deactivate every lock in the prison. And Soong tells him that whenever he gets stuck on a problem, a vigorous prison break helps to clear the mind. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a fun line. Yeah. Also, uh, I- I'd say Brent Spiner in this is maybe his best acting role except for Data. Like, he's actually very good in this, I think. I do think he likes playing, like, villainous characters. I think that's why, you know, he chews up the scenery and he's lore. Yeah. And stuff like that. And yeah, at the same time, like, I didn't like him as the most recent Soong. Oh, that well, He was that way Soong, too mustache twirly. That Soong sucked. I think yeah. I think you could attribute that to the writing. I mean, yeah, bo- both of the two new Soongs sucked. Yeah. I didn't like either of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. On yeah, Picard Soong, season this, one yeah. or two. Yeah, there's too, too, too many Soongs. Too many like, Soongs. <laughs> Like, oh, uh, yeah, that Soong was, was, was like, boring as fuck the first season. One. Anton, I think. Or yeah. No, Alt, Alt, wait, Alton? I, I forget who was who. Yeah, just, just lame Soong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, he was, he was very muted and didn't make sense. And then, like, mm-hmm. then, like, then we had, like, other, this Soong that was just, like, yeah, just, like, uh, the, um, what was the name of the season two Soong? Can't remember. Was he Alton or... I don't remember. I don't know. It, he was. He was just. He you was got just Eric Noonien, Alton, and Anton. I think, or something like that. I don't. Anton know. Levey. Yeah. Yeah, but this Eric Soong, he does a great job at. It, he does. Like he, like there, he does a lot of like, uh, like subtle, you know, facial things yeah. throughout this episode. That to is be just honest. Like, I think it would have almost been a great idea to have just kept him on for an entire season. Yeah, he like like Brent Spiner, like actually shines in this role, mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't feel like he's too limited. By yeah. his character, which like data at a point, I think they kind of like there aren't really many data episodes for the last three seasons of TNG because mm-hmm. at some point they kind of just hit a wall with everything they can do with him. Yeah, like honestly, like they really should have done Measure of a Man way later in the season, kind of like they did with um uh the Doctor and Author Author, which wasn't yeah. until the end of the seventh season. Yeah, like they really should have like fleshed out like his sentience and like his humanity. I mm-hmm. think way later because. They kind of, you know, pulled it, like, way too soon, and so it yeah. kind of took away the mystery of, like, his humanity and, like, mm-hmm. that actual ethical argument in, what, the second season? Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I would I would have preferred that, but it is what it is. Yeah. But that doesn't make uh, Metro Man any less of a fantastic episode. Oh, yeah. Really, one of the best. Yeah, and they it, it, it kind of have, like, and as you, what you suggested, they kind of have that dynamic with evil Philippa and Discovery, you know, just, mm-hmm. like, like, sort of like a anti-hero joining the crew and mm-hmm. i could see like if they probably had done that with uh eric soon and enterprise yeah. that would have been like a little fun yeah because he's obviously like fucking brilliant yeah and, 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 you know, and he's like a contemporary of flocks and he's kind of just also like you know misguided in a way mm-hmm. yeah where it's just like he has you know a little, you know a little too in love with uh with uh eugenics <laughs> and so but but it, like but that could have been like a good like redemption arc for him mm-hmm. yeah uh Eugenics Roddenberry. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Soong tells Archer uh, that when, uh, no, I already got that. So, 
Soong shows Archer his notes, which he reveals will never be tested since every couple of months the prison collects all of the notes and vaporizes them. Yeah. It was kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, Archer asks him why he'd work on technology nobody would ever use, and Soong tries to t- uh, sell Archer on augmentation. Archer says augmentation has caused a lot of suffering, and soon counters that so did splitting the atom. But the first starships to colonize the galaxy were nuclear-powered. Mm. It's a pretty great point, actually. He yeah. kind of he kind of fucking yeah trashed in there, which is like, I mean, this goes into a lot, and basically like every Star Trek series, like fucking um, the Federation's augmentation ban is incredibly draconian, and like doesn't really allow for a lot of interpretation. Yeah. Like, I guess, like, Doll is the first time where they've actually given anybody with an augmentation a pass, but I, I'm i going to assume we're probably going to see that with Unichun Riley in season two of SNW, mm. but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Um, You know, they could go either way with that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool fleshing it out a little more. Yeah, yeah, let's see what happens with it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, especially with someone like Doll who never chose and had no idea. It's like, it's like having a ban on that, like something yeah. that's not entire, not his fault at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Archer tells Soong about the bird of prey that was stolen. According to Archer, it was attacked by augments whose DNA matched ones that Soong stole from a medical facility when they were embryos 20 years before. He raised the children as his own and never revealed their location. They have been left alone since they were 10. Soong is removed from prison and is to work on board the Enterprise, which is fully repaired from its mission in the Delphic Expanse to help locate the Augments. He is fitted with a transponder so he won't be able to escape without being tracked. Soong tells Archer to search the borderland for the Bird of Prey. As the Enterprise prepares to launch, Archer takes a moment to regard his reassembled crew and tells them they must go track down the Augments to get them back. Otherwise, they'll probably start a war with the Klingons, which is kind of the crux of this whole thing, which actually kind of makes sense. Yeah. Uh, T'Pol is wearing this really dumb floral shirt here, and I'm mm. like, what? <laughs> she never wears dumb shit like that. She's always <laughs> wearing the Juicy Couture. Yeah, um, which we like. We love. <laughs> uh, he tells his crew that they launch in six hours. Mm. Over on the Bird of Prey, uh, the Augment leader, Rakin, enters the bridge and punches Malik for stealing the vessel without his orders. Rakeen makes Malik tell him he's the leader and tells him he'd better not make him ask that again. Malik takes great offense to this action and contemplates Rakeen's future as the Augment's leader. Interesting. Yeah. Also, I'd like to point out like how influential like uh, Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan was on their on on their on the aesthetics mm-hmm. of of these characters because yeah, they're Augments, but they pretty much make them look exactly like um, uh, Khan's. Uh, people like it looks like they're all wearing um ripped up clothes like reclaim like clothes that are just been made from reclaimed things mm-hmm. and they all have mullets so so I, I will say <laughs> this uh I think more importantly for that aesthetic mm-hmm. is they're fugitives yeah because fug- because the fucking you know uh yeah. Khan was a fugitive as well and so like and you also see that kind of thing with like Orion pirates and stuff like yeah. that. You know, fugitives, like people yeah. who can't necessarily go get new supplies and mm-hmm. stuff like that all the time because, you know, they have warrants out for their arrest. Yeah. Which makes sense, honestly. Yeah. Makes, but makes a lot of sense. It's just, I think it's funny. Like, I mean, especially after they take over the, I mean, it's like how you talked about, yeah, you know, the, um, also, the they took over a Klingon ship. Do you think there's a bunch of sonic showers there? Probably not. Exactly. But there is 
armor. Like, uh-huh. there's, like, different things they could put on, like, Klingon armor. They don't need armor. They're augments. Did you see, like, when the guy tried to fucking kick him, he just, like, or punch him, he just, like, yeah. took it. Still, like, but clothes without holes in them. Yeah. <laughs> they don't need the covers. They, they run hot. Yeah. <laughs> but, I do, but I do think they were trying to make them look like the Rapicon guys. But, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. you know, it, it makes sense because yeah. they are, you know, fugitives. Yeah. So, um, on the Enterprise, Eric Soong enters the Enterprise and asks for permission to board, which he's given. Well, he's introduced to T'Pol, who he says he shares a similar view of humanity with. She asks what that is, and he says that they could use some improvement. Mm. Some home improvement. <laughs> uh, she says she believes it's true of most, if not all, species. Soong is then introduced to Malcolm Reed, whose name he recognizes, but whose face he does not. And he says he's not getting the publicity he deserves. Reed says he's had all the publicity he can stand, (laughs) which is actually a fun line. Archer then tells Soong he'll have his own quarters, but he will be under constant guard the entire time. Soong asks for more information on the augments and Klingon situation, and Archer tells him... He'll send it to his quarters. But Soong says he'd prefer sickbay, since he already knows Phlox, and Phlox has a great reputation, and they've traded notes back and forth before. Mm-hmm. And Archer says he'll consider it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty dangerous to have him on the ship anywhere. Yeah, yeah it makes sense he has to be on a constant guard, because, yeah, like the fact that he's able to escape with just a pad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I'd, I'd, I'd probably, like, have, like, like mittens on his hands and stuff like that, just to keep him. I mean, from... they they do have the the fucking like the the magnetic the, yeah. cuffs and stuff. So. Yeah, he's he's too smart to be around all that uh all, in a warp capable ship that he could potentially take over with. Yeah, they should make him he's keep like Mac- his hands in his asshole. Yeah, he's like he's like Air, he's like MacGyver soon. A little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, soon of the South. Soon of the South. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Archer tells Soong he'll have his own corner. I already got that. So, uh, over with Trip and T'Pol, uh, he asks how the honeymoon was. Mm. T'Pol is confused and he says she was on Vulcan two weeks after he left and he figured, but then Archer comes in and interrupts them, which was kind of a, a plot line that they never really resolved or anything. It was like uh, Trip Tucker was like jealous of like T'Pol and stuff and like definitely wants to fuck T'Pol, but. I don't think that ever happened. There, there's like some latent romancy stuff there, but they they didn't even like ship it like fucking Chakotay and Seven, at the end of Voyager fucking sucks. Bust some kids in her. Yeah, right. Um, Trip Tucker, fucking Vulcan fucker. You know <laughs> uh, um, so Trip has set up a new captain's chair for Captain Archer and doesn't really have time for all the details, but tells him not to hit one specific button, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, like, we, yeah, what's that button do? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> so Archer uh, recognizes his crew right before launch and says, here we are again. Wouldn't have it any other way as they break free and leave space. Dock. I do like how everyone just kind of feels like, like the, all the looks on their faces, they look kind of just like, just amusing him. They're just like, uh, they don't seem actually that, Happy to be no, they're again. like, well, here we go again. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Uh, I guess this is our job. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking suck, Archer. So I really did like this scene, though. Like, the whole yeah, scene yeah, yeah. was really well constructed, really nice 
good captain speech, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I just love the NX-01's design. Oh, like, yeah. It, it looks fucking cool. The CGI is a little bit dated, but I can forgive that. I do, I do like the, I did like the scene of them leaving the space dock. I thought that looked really cool. Yeah, yeah, that was very like Star Trek the motion picture, mm-hmm. but not so fucking long. Yeah, it's like, well, it's like, yeah, it actually, which is funny because like this is, takes place in the past. It actually leaves space dock faster mm-hmm. <laughs> than Star Trek the motion picture. <laughs> um, next we have T'Pol entering Archer's office, and he tells her. A bird of prey was spotted near Proxima Colm, and that they're probably there on a recon mission. T'Pol says the Vulcans are still trying to work out a peaceful solution, and there's a small chance that could work, and Archer agrees. Mm-hmm. It's small. Whoa. Uh-oh. Uh, Archer <laughs> then gives Commander T'Pol a present for her first official day of duty, being that she's uh, now, I guess, officially in Starfleet, whereas mm-hmm. before she was just a Vulcan science officer. Mm-hmm. And it's a 20th century compass. Uh, Archer tells her it should keep her pointed in the right direction. And but says, not actually. Yeah. <laughs> because it's not actually a Because there's no magnetic north <laughs> yeah. in space. Which I thought was funny, like, when she opens it, like, it's moving. I'm like, what's it moving to? What's the what's 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 fact? Maybe, like, the, maybe the uh, stuff inside the ship. But it's just, like, it was funny. Like, it was actually, like, kind of, like. Yeah, moving. it doesn't make any. Yeah, because, like, <laughs> you need another axis for that compass, buddy. yeah. 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 Yeah, it's but it's it's purely decoration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, it makes sense. Oh, so, it's yeah. always pointing to <laughs> pointing where uh in one direction. Okay. It's like why why does it keep on pointing to you? Oh, I've got a very powerful magnetic cock ring on right <laughs> yeah. now. So um I'm trying to send you a message. <laughs> it's right over here. Come this way. <laughs> yeah. It's true north, baby. <laughs> um in or down south. Soon of the south, you know what I'm saying? Soon of the south. In Enterprise Sickbay, Phlox and Soong have a discussion about genetic engineering and the augments, as well as the disastrous eugenics wars of the 20th century. Soong believes Phlox is a reactionary about augmentation, but Phlox says his people have used genetic engineering to help cure disease for over two centuries. But that is very different from what Soong does, mm. which is trying to redesign his species. Mm-hmm. He's not pleased about Soong's work and behavior and says it's his duty to learn from past mistakes, as it is for all scientists. Soong asks what makes him think he hasn't learned from his past mistakes, and Phlox quips back, it's because he can read. <laughs> Which I was like, fuck, that was savage! Dang. God damn, Phlox, you're usually a nice guy! Yeah. Hell yeah. I could see Phlox being like, this guy fucking sucks. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> it's like, this guy fucking sucks, he can't even fuck. Yeah. Like, what a what a little cuck boy. And not in a cool way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like me watching someone else fuck my wife. Which is awesome and cool. Yeah. Flox is so into the hot wife shit, it rocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got like three wives, so. Yeah, you know, he's like, three wives, you know, I've I've only got one dick. <laughs> yeah. I need at least one one fella to help me. Hey, Johnny, Johnny Archer, come here. Let's see what you got, bud. He does have, he does have like a foot-long tongue, though, so. He does, which makes me think he also has a foot-long dick. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, which mean, means he probably can just like lick his own dick. And it probably easy. inflates just like his cheeks. Good point. <laughs> so it just so gets it in and goes. His, and it's, <laughs> his dick is like Dizzy Gillespie playing the fucking trumpet. It, is all, yeah. <laughs> it looks really thin. It's really thin and long, but then it goes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a weather balloon. <laughs> yeah. or, or a giant balloon animal. He, he pinches his nose and goes. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> and, plays, and his dick inflates and he 
could tie it into a poodle. <laughs> <laughs> and for you, little girl. <laughs> um, so, upon entering the borderland on May 17th, 2154, Enterprise is almost immediately attacked by two Orion interceptors. Mm-hmm. The Orions abduct nine of the Enterprise crew members, including Commander T'Pol and Ensign Jeffrey Pierce, who we don't get to see very often. No. Uh, the crew members are taken to Varix 3 to an Orion processing station, where they are auctioned off as slaves. And uh, it's here we get to see uh, who is credited as um, a slave guard or Orion guard number one, who is none other than Paul White, mm-hmm. better known as... Well, it's a big show, it's a big, big show, it's the, the big damn show, big show and show. Well, it's a big show, <laughs> and it's a show and a show, and with the show and tell, and it's big, up show and tell, big. Yeah. And he's credited as Big Show. Yeah, he's actually credited as Big Show, because this, uh, this is the point in time when he was wrestling exclusively for WWF. Yeah. And uh, when he was WCW, he was called Paul the Giant White. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, but then when he went over to uh, WWF, they were like, "No, we're taking that away because like uh, there was too much stuff to do with like Andre the Giant." Because when he was in WCW, they said he was the son of Andre the Giant, which is completely untrue. Yeah, and giantism is never genetic like that. So, no, uh, or inherited like that. So you know what? I, I gotta say, he is. I think he's a really great actor. He's honestly not a bad actor. Yeah. I mean, he's re- he's really fucking funny. Like he's in Waterboy. Yeah, so <laughs> it's weird because he's not a good actor in wrestling, which is no. strange. Yeah, but he's a decent actor on camera when he's not live. Yeah, which I think is weird. Yeah, he's he's, he's very funny. I think he has a great comedic timing. He does. He does and... have a good sense of comedic timing, but like mm-hmm. that really doesn't ever shine in wrestling. And no, I, you know, I watch can... a lot of wrestling and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, cuz he's it, the big show his character was very serious most yeah. of the time and yeah. Yeah, and he was just kind of a, a silent giant who just came in and wrecked shit. Yeah, so. but he has a lot of personality. He's, he like he's in um uh the uh McGruber. <laughs> he does really... Oh, he's so good in McGruber. Cool. But yeah. Um, so Soong guides Archer to this planet as he used to acquire supplies he used to survive while on the run there. All of the slaves are fitted with a neurolytic restraint, uh, which is like a thing on the side of their head, mm-hmm. um, like right below their ear. And if they try to escape, it'll basically like disrupt their brain, causing them to die, which fucking sucks. That does suck. So over on the Bird of Prey, Malik is able to earn the respect of many of the Augments and spearheads a mutiny against Raken. But he confides to Persis, a female Augment, that he's going to do this. He says he should be the Augment's leader because he is the smartest and the strongest and is what their father soon would have wanted. Which, you know, interesting, compelling argument here. And it, yeah, it never really explains why, like, the leader is the leader of the augments and like why there's this power struggle. Yeah. He's, he's the biggest, he's the smartest and the strongest. Or yeah. Something. It doesn't, it really doesn't make sense for them to have hierarchies though. As long as they're like, you know, a band on the run, it probably makes sense to be democratic, but well, I guess augments are all evil. So they believe in like yeah. capitalist hierarchies. Yeah. And since they're all, and since they believe in like genetic superiority, like right. they may see one as more genetically superior than the rest. Mm-hmm. Just like with yours Khan. is mm. superior. Just like with Khan, you know, and mm-hmm. Khan was like the best. So oh, he was. 
Yeah. It was the best and the chest. <laughs> and the chest. Uh-huh. Uh, that's how they measure it. They measure, they do it by chest size. So oh. they're just like. So, so there should be just like one huge titty Ogman who leads all of them, right? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> big, big titty Ogman. <laughs> just a fucking like clone of Dolly Parton. <laughs> Yours is superior. Well, I know that, honey. <laughs> know that. Yeah, yeah. Just a bunch of clones of Dolly Parton. <laughs> that, that, are, that, are, that are, that are, oh my God, that's like, that's a fetish waiting to happen. Like a, a genetically modified uh, G- Dolly Partons that are physically stronger and, and faster and just dom- want to dominate men. Like, I mean, I'm I'm not into subbing, but <laughs> I'd consider that situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as long as she sang Jolene while doing things to me. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely. Big, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, arriving at Varix Three, the Enterprise is able to enter the auction due to an old identification code used by Soong. So, it actually, comes in handy here pretty well. It does. Uh, all the prisoners are wearing neurologic restraints, so Enterprise is not able to beam the crew back. T'Pol is f- found to be in a high-demand individual and is sold for a high price to a very creepy-looking Tellerite. Yeah. And, like, this this auction is, like, super funny. Like, mm-hmm. fucking Big Show, like, basically holds T'Pol up like she's, yeah. <laughs> like she's Simba in the fucking... Uh, yeah. In the Lion King, I do like how she just kind of acquiesces to it. She's just like very oh, yeah. limp. She's just like, oh yeah, and, and he just like he lifts her up like she's nothing, which yeah. I mean, makes sense because fucking Paul White is five hundred pounds and seven one, yeah, and she has got to be like five feet tall and a hundred pounds soaking. Oh wet. yeah, that was like that was probably nothing to him. Yeah, he was oh. holding her out completely outright, which yeah, like, which is like such a strain on. Yeah, straight like he had his elbows locked. Yeah, he was holding her out so far. It which, was nuts. Which is like, damn, that dude is fucking strong. I mean, he's enormous. Yeah, he's enormous. Like, like he's, I, he, I feel like he's just proportionally strong to like, you know, anyone his size because mm-hmm. he's just like a big guy yeah. who happens to also be seven feet tall. Yes. Um, <laughs> And I do like I do like the look of all the Orions in this, where they all like have weird uh, like piercings all over so, their face. So you know what the Orions look exactly like in here is mm. the fucking orcs from Starcraft. They do like, exactly. They do exactly like. That. Yeah, like I, I I liked I liked all the Orions. Like they're mm. just like big hulking oafs, and then like mm-hmm. of course then like the one Orion babe is like hot as fuck. Hell yeah, we <laughs> love an or Oh yeah, and um. Somewhere in here, was it soon that mentions that like oh, yeah. Orion women are known for their like innate abilities or, or uh, uh, appetites? Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> appetites and innate abilities is yeah. what he says. Yeah. And I'm just like, that is like the coolest set of euphemisms I've ever heard for being good at sucking dick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they'll suck your damn soul out. <laughs> this is- <laughs> Man. Yeah, that's they, why they, that's why Soong was just like, we gotta go to Orion. <laughs> man, they could suck a, a, a fucking chorizo still wrapped in the tube. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so Archer and Soong, no, I already got that. So um, after Soong and uh, Archer is able to locate most of his crew and cells. Mm. After Soong and Archer view an Orion slave girl up for auction, Ensign Pierce is up next. Archer (laughs) buys him using his scanner and bribes an Orion to deactivate his restraint, but leave it on Pierce's neck in order to make it seem like he's, you know, still a slave, but can actually do like undercover work Mm -hmm. because they all think he's uh, in their control. Mm -hmm. So on the Klingon bird of prey uh, in the Klingon captain's quarters, RIP, uh, other Martok. Other Martok. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Did we we ever catch his name? No. uh, He's only credited as Klingon captain. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Actually, none of the Klingons are named in this episode, which is pretty oh. interesting. Uh, like, there's only two of them actually credited. One of them is the stunt guy who got kicked through the hallway. <laughs> that was sick. And this is the only episode of Star Trek he's ever on. Mm. And then the other one is J.D. Hertzler, who's on, like, every episode of Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so on the Klingon Bird of Prey, uh, in the Klingon's captain quarters, Persis tells Rackin of Malik's upcoming plan to overthrow him and take his place as leader. She tells Rackin that Malik believes he is weak and is making all of the augments weak mm-hmm. accordingly. Uh, Persis further tells Rackin that Malik believes that if their father soon were with them, he would choose Malik to lead them. Rackin announces that he will betray their father's principles. By killing Malik. Uh oh. Is that really against Soong's principles? No. No. So- <laughs> I would say I would say that's probably like for his principles. Yeah, like, that's like survival of the fittest shit, just like he believes. It's- yeah, yeah. He would be like, no, that's fair. Like, okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, as long want, as you don't kill want, me. Like- yeah, we only want the. Yeah, which is funny. They don't turn on him because, like, presumably they're probably smarter. I don't think so. I mean, at least they don't have, like, the same institutional knowledge of stuff that he yeah. has. Like, they're not able to spatialize, like, genetic coding like he can. And that, Yeah, and that could be also just because of their age. But like, al- I mean, also, yeah. uh, he's augmented, too, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he's, he's, I mean, like, 200 years old at this point. Mm. Um, yeah, so. Yeah. Which, which is weird that they don't really mention that too much. Yeah. That he's, like, I mean, they, they kind of do in passing, and they talk about, like, the 20th uh, the 20th and the 21st century a lot where, mm-hmm. and like what he did during those times, mm-hmm. but they don't actually say, Hey, you're augmented and you've been alive for like 200 years, mm-hmm. which is weird to me because he's augmented and he's been alive for 200 years. Yeah. Uh, um, something to mention. <laughs> yeah. Right. So back in orbit of, uh, vertex three, Ensign Pierce is beamed back to enterprise where, Upon removal from his neck by Dr. Phlox, the restraint is analyzed by Trip Tucker. Uh, in a corridor of the Bird of Prey, Rackin attempts to kill Malak, but unfortunately him, all of the augments on the Klingon vessel have turned on him, choosing Malak as their new leader. And he's like, mm-hmm. they follow me now. <laughs> and they're like, we do. Or they only listen to me now. Um, so this eventually leads to Rackin's death at Malak's hands, and command of the ship is officially handed over to him, making him the official leader of the Augments. Persis also now becomes Malik's partner after Rackin is killed, which is interesting. So apparently she's just like the leader's bitch. Yeah, it's, mm. yeah <laughs> it is funny that she that she's physically and mentally like they're equals. Yeah, in terms, but she still like acquiesces, like and still like just like you know, okay, I'm I'm a. I'm I'm an object to be one. Would you believe that this episode was written by a man? Rick Berman. <laughs> <laughs> Not Rick Berman, surprisingly. Yeah. But it was it was written and directed by men. Yeah. Which uh we know men and yeah. we know how good they are about representing women. Yeah. They're not. No. Yeah, you, you, yeah, I mean oof. Like I feel like so many men in like creative control of things feel the same way about women mm. that augments feel about non-augments. Yeah. And it's really bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's really stupid. That's it really another, comes through in the writing. Yeah, that's another thing I got to give huge ups for Prodigy on is like like half of their like creative team is women, mm. which is something I don't think I've ever seen on Star Trek before. Yeah, it's I pretty mean, good. Yeah, even though fucking like Voyager, one of the executive producers was Jerry Taylor, a woman like... 
the writer's room never got even a third women. Mm-hmm. Like, so, yeah, fucking good on the Higman brothers. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, in now, already got that. So, a code to deactivate all of the restraints is discovered, and Archer returns to the auction along with Soon in tow. Archer is able to deactivate all the restraints for the slaves, and a riot ensues. A slave riot, which fucking rocks. Mm-hmm. We love a slave riot. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Enterprise crew is beamed back to the ship, five at a time, but Soong stuns the captain and escapes. Mm-hmm. Soong deactivates his transporter so that he can't be tracked. He does it in a really sick way. He takes the cattle prod and yeah. sticks it against the right. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> which is like, he probably could have killed himself with that, but he's augmented, so probably not. Yeah, know. yeah. Uh, it did. It did like fuck him up a little, which was which was which makes was pretty sense. sick. Yeah, yeah it, like yeah, it's like take a cattle take a cattle prod that's used to incapacitate people, mm-hmm. and then just like stick it against your own, basically your brain. Yeah, <laughs> basically close, close to your brain. I mean, he's not going to get any crazier. So no, no, fine. no. So um, now Archer climbs one of the slave cages and spots Soon, then activates his arm restraints, his magnetic ones that mm-hmm. were uh, going earlier. So Soon now uh, uses the restraints to climb a wall. But Archer catches up with him and deactivates the restraints, causing Soon to fall back to the ground. I thought that was pretty. That was funny. super sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like, like it was. It was like you're like, oh shit, is Soon gonna get away? And then yeah. Archer's just like, eh, fuck you. Beep. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and I do like, yeah, they've been setting up how it works, and then like it works in the opposite way in a way. Yeah, like... <laughs> yeah, which is great because I mean they've been setting up this moment from like the very beginning of the episode mm-hmm, like yeah. they showed his restraints in the the, the first scene after the credits, yeah. which is awesome so mm-hmm. honestly like yeah the writing on here was super solid and like linear and actually mm-hmm. made a ton of sense like, oh yeah yeah for for an enterprise episode, and there's a, was, and it covers a lot of ground because there's like really a lot does. of like there's a there's like the soon and, and archer stuff mm-hmm. the slave yep. stuff the uh the uh, augment uh power struggle stuff uh-huh. So there's like a lot going on in this. Episode. Uh, there's them returning to action from, from yeah. the previous thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, fucking Topol actually becoming a Starfleet commander. Yeah, and the and also yeah the the stuff between Topol and Tucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's the thing is like, um, Enterprise really doesn't hit its stride until season three or four. Yeah, and season four, with exception to the last episode, is great. It's but, one of the best episodes of any Star Trek. And it fucking sucks that it's the season it was canceled because yeah. they just started getting very good. Mm-hmm. Like, like straight up, this episode is at least as good or better than most episodes of TNG. In my oh, opinion. yeah, yeah. Like, and it's straight up better than every single Soong episode of TNG. Mm-hmm. This is probably the best Soong episode of any series, maybe. Yeah, because that it really just gets worse after that. <laughs> Yeah, because after this, all we have is Picard. Yeah, Picard. Yeah, who knows? He could make a. I mean, who knows what they could do with him? Like, I mean, yeah, any soon could show up anywhere. And I've already discussed this before, but here's my theory on mm-hmm. the only responsible way you can possibly put a soon in another Star Trek: mm-hmm. you make him, excuse me, you make him a Vic Fontaine type character. He only exists on the holodeck, so yeah. he can come in and out of the series whenever you need him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he already, Brent Spiner loves lounge singing and all that shit. He wants to be Vic Fontaine in real life. Mm-hmm. So he'd be happy to reprise a role as a Soong. And also, the Soongs have a hand in like everything scientific the Federation has ever done, basically. Yeah. So it wouldn't be beyond belief for Soong to have a hand in creating holodecks and programming himself in there. Yeah. It makes tons of sense. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it. it's, I mean... It, 
if they do bring him back and they don't do that, they're fucking up because that's the only way to do it. I mean, we're probably we're probably going to see. I'm I have a theory. We're probably going to see that evil soon from season two at some at some capacity. You shut the fuck up. Pat. I, 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 I shut. I, don't. No. <laughs> no. I don't know. I feel, no. I mean, we already have him as Bad. lore. He's going to be lore. He's going to be. They possibly... they say he's going to be lore. So they mentioned that he's lore. Mm. I I don't know. I don't know if he's lore or not. They just said it in the thing. It could be you know a misdirect. I'm wondering. Oh yeah, it could be. But, we'll see. We we're uh, what February? Yeah, yeah. So it's wow. Um, that's coming up. Six weeks. Damn. Mm-hmm. Wow. Can't wait to be so, tortured. Yeah, we're gonna take uh, <laughs> we're gonna take one week off, yeah. uh, and then we're going to review all of the TNG films. Mm. Then I don't know what we'll do for that last week. I guess we can come up with something. Fart around. Yeah. Okay. We could literally just do a whole episode of us doing like farts and different like talking about farts, fart impressions. Ooh. That would actually be kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we can just have like, fart stories. Oh yeah, do do fart competition. Uh huh. Um, I've definitely I've definitely woken someone up from a dead sleep. With wow. Fart. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Have you ever woken yourself up from a sleep with your fart with your own fart? Probably. Wow. Yeah. I've... That's that's something. <laughs> that's really something. Um. Hell yeah, I'm woke. I Hell just it's... farted. <laughs> <laughs> woke myself up. Um, <laughs> so uh, after Soon falls to the ground, uh, Archer returns everybody to the NX-01 Enterprise. Archer accuses Soon, now locked in the Enterprise's brig, of having planned the entire thing, knowing the Orions would attack the ship. He says two of the captured crew may suffer permanent injury, and that's on him. Mm-hmm. Soon pleads with Archer to just leave the augments alone, saying that they are the future of mankind and they shouldn't be stopped. He says they're stronger, faster, and live twice the lifespan of the average human. Archer tells him they are dangerous and have to be stopped and proceeds to leave. Soon tries to insist that genetic engineering could have saved Archer's father who was suffering from Clark's disease. Those who had banned genetic engineering had condemned him to death. Yet the captain refuses to listen, which, honestly, that's kind of compelling. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those things like the fucking cyborg scene with uh, with Bones where his dad dies and, like, and then he goes and finds out that, like, a cure was made, like, two weeks later, right? It's like... Yeah, that probably could have saved Archer's dad's life, and it would have gotten rid of a lot of, like, you know, trauma for him. Yeah. But his ideals and belief in the Federation is stronger than, you know, his the knowledge, his own knowledge of his own life. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, a very Starfleet captain thing to do. Is it the right thing to do? No. It's the wrong thing to do. Yeah. It's, it's blind, and it's, like, it's enslaving yourself to a hierarchy and a system that is greater than you, yeah, but at the same time, like... You can't let anything be greater than your own personal truth. Mm. I think I think that's where a lot of people like you know lose the trail in life is they find something that means more to them than their own life, mm-hmm. which is bad. Yeah. yeah, you can't do that. You got to prioritize yourself. That doesn't mean be selfish. Yeah, but that means like you know if you're given a situation where like. You will either directly benefit or directly fail, and it's not like a zero sum game where if you benefit, someone else fails. Like always, benefit, right? It doesn't make sense to fail. Yeah, sometimes you know the, the, the you know, you know the 
the uh, the many and the few type stuff. <laughs> um, about Star Trek. So Tucker and T'Pol are now in sick bay. Um, he asks her how her honeymoon was again, and she says that although she was on Vulcan for two weeks after Tucker left, she spent the time alone in meditation. Uh, Tucker says it really isn't his business anyway. Mm-hmm. Resuming their search for the bird of prey, the Enterprise is, again, attacked by two Orion interceptors claiming that they stole Orion property, the slaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Enterprise is suffering damage until a bird of prey appears and chases off the interceptors. Docking with the Enterprise, they find out that it is none other than the augments themselves. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, Malik meets with Archer and tells him that Soong has con- contacted him and they have come to rescue them. Archer says his orders to take the augments back to Earth. Malik says Earth despises the whole idea of his kind, and besides, they are superior to humans anyway. He warns Archer that he is going to hurt him. Then a moment later, he grabs Archer's neck, threatening to kill him if Malcolm Reed or anybody else interferes, which is pretty pretty sick, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that even with a warning, the humans are helpless compared to the augments. They are five times as strong and twice as smart. Yeah, that's why you think they would have taken greater precaution bringing them on the ship. Yes, you like, think so. Like, uh, oh yeah, these people can easily subdue us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they they killed they killed a bunch of Kling, entire ship of Klingons with their bare hands. Yeah, but I mean they're <laughs> they're counting on you know their Starfleet know how I don't know. Yeah, like you know, Cole can do the fucking neck pinch, like reaching <laughs> for like a like uh talking with them yeah being able to lawyering them yeah. yeah star trek is about space lawyering yeah we're, we're gonna space lawyer the shit out of these guys that can tear us in half like a like a like a like a piece of soft bread mm-hmm. <laughs> um so reed lowers his weapon then malik with archer as a hostage exits the ready room onto the bridge and then to the turbo lift at the docking port, the other augments, led by Persis, hack into the door controls and storm the Enterprise dock, stunning all the guarding Makos, which are their, like, marine-type people. Yeah. That they bring in in season, like, three, which mm-hmm. I actually really like, and I almost wish they kind of had more of that in Star Trek. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, as long as you're going to have, like, military operations for, you know, Starfleet, you should probably have some, I don't know... Military operators? Yeah. I mean, it, it really doesn't make sense to just, like, train Starfleet to mostly just be, like, scientists, engineers, and explorers, send them out, and be like, oh, by the way, if you're in trouble, you're also the army now as well. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're you're literally our infantry now as well, which is like... Eh. Oh, there is that Voyager game that has them. Yeah. Remember, I mean... Remember, and so, like, right, right, right. Where you can kill, kill Neelix. Yeah, yeah. And only spend, like, spend, like, a week in jail. Yeah, and so <laughs> so it makes sense to have that, but it also, like, on the same stroke, it doesn't make sense to have, like, Section 31, like a clandestine... Yeah. ...fucking secretive organization, especially if your goal of being Starfleet is to be anti-colonialist. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing more colonialist than Section 31, CIA... Oh, yeah. You know, extrajudicial... Uh, extra government organizations. It's mm-hmm. just like they're not good for anybody yeah. at all, ever, mm-hmm. except for people in the CIA and people in power. Yes. Um, but, you know, that's what it is. It's about maintaining hierarchies and maintaining power, which is why Starfleet will never be a fucking utopia is because they have a precedent. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, still a representative democracy. And mm-hmm. as we've learned from everything in history, 
democracy works until it's representative. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yep. I need, you need true democracy. Mm-hmm. Have everyone have an equal say. Mm-hmm. Which is like, it's crazy to me that like, literally zero politician has ever brought that up in America. Mm-hmm. None of, because I mean, it, it makes them, you know, it makes them obsolete. Oh yeah. Which, yeah. which is a good thing. So that tells me that like, basically no politician in America really cares about true democracy because if they cared about it, they wouldn't want the oh, yeah. job. Yeah, because like, like that would mean also like people having democracy in their workplace, which mm-hmm. is another thing we like. Oh, can have that definitely. Yeah, can yeah have that. we definitely like need democracy in our workplace. Yeah, you know, if you had democracy in your workplace, that means people would you know choose to have be uh, fully compensated for their labor and mm-hmm. and like and um, choose whether or not they ha- they're being forced to overwork and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there are. Like businesses out there, there are co-ops with with twenty thousand employees out there. Mm-hmm. You know, it exists. It's absolutely possible oh, yeah. to enrich people's lives through business and through capitalism. The problem is the way we play it. That's never the goal. Mm. The goal is always to enrich a singular person or entity's existence through capitalism, mm-hmm. no matter what it does to everyone else who makes that enrichment happen. Yeah, which is all fucked up, man. It's all fucked up. Fuck capitalism. Fuck capitalism. Uh, so, at the docking port, Malik arrives with Archer in... Oh, wait. So, uh, at the docking port, the other augments, led by Persis, hack into the door controls and storm the Enterprise dock, stunning all guarding Makos. They proceed to the brig and release Soong. Persis hugs him, and Soong smiles. Mm-hmm. At the docking port, Malik arrives with Archer in front of the rest of the augments and Soong as a prisoner. Soong says he is proud of all of them. Soong tells Archer to go home and start learning to speak Klingon, mm-hmm. which is pretty sick. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, Malik leaves Archer and returns to the Bird of Prey with the others. The ship warps out with Enterprise unable to pursue due to their damaged engines. On the Bird of Prey, Soong takes command and tells the Augments that they are going to retrieve thousands of their brothers and sisters who are waiting to be born. Let's go get them, children, mm-hmm. soon states, to be continued. Bum, bum, bum. What do you think? I, uh, I like this episode. I mean, that does have, it's like jam-packed with a bunch of cool stuff about Star Trek. You know, the Orions. Yep. You know, we have Orion pirates. We mm-hmm. got, we got, uh, we and, got and, they're, and they're not fucking like Pirates of the Caribbean pirates. They're not, yeah. They're, they they're ha- their own thing. Yeah, they have their own cool aesthetic. Which uh, is like, I mean, they have Starcraft's own cool aesthetic. Yeah, but still. They kind of, I, yeah, they kind of just like these like weird like old punk rock, um, black leather type dudes. They're scary. Look, ogres. Mm, yeah, look like big old ogres, mm. orcs, and uh, it's pretty cool. I like that. Um, you know, it has yeah. It also has like augments. It has Klingons. Yep. It has you know. Brent Spiner. Yep. Like this is this is just a jam packed episode full of fun stuff. So it was, and it ties it up together. You know, it it, it has a lot of stuff, and I think it's more or less successful. Like I yeah. think like the um, I, I think it kind of drags during the um, during the augment power struggle a little. Okay. Like um, but uh, because it does have a lot of stuff it has, like ground it has to cover because you know with the hmm. the slaves the. The slave pit, the um Yeah. I mean this episode is fairly dense, but yeah, it, very dense. it does a good job of relaying all the information it's trying to relay within the forty whatever minutes. Yeah. Yeah, a lot to cover. But I, yeah, I like this episode a lot. 
Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was good. I'd give it a solid, like, I don't know, 8 out of 10. Yeah. Like, the last season of Enterprise is by far the best season of Enterprise, and Mm -hmm. this is one of the better episodes in that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean... Yeah, basically and it's thought, a two-parter. Yeah, yeah, we love a good two-parter. I totally forgot that this was a two-parter, but yeah, yeah there's just like, want to do the next, do the second part. Next. I mean, we could, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, there's like five two-parters in season four mm-hmm. of uh of Enterprise. Like every other episode is a two-parter of some yeah. sort. Pretty much like the last season of uh DS Nine. Yeah, like even if it's not like officially like this part one, this part two, it's a to mm-hmm. be continued, and then you know it ends with something else. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this was a great episode. Like. Mm-hmm. Loved everything about it. It was it's one of the best examples of an Enterprise episode. Yeah. And honestly, in my opinion, easily Brent Spiner's best acting job on Star Trek outside of being data. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah he does like it does do some like fun, like little comedic parts, you know, when they stun the um Orion guard mm-hmm. uh when uh, him and Archer are escaping and like um and like uh there's the 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 Orion guard's like, you know, about a foot taller than them and then it's like swaying back and forth and like mm. and like Brent Spiner is doing like this thing where he's just like, is he gonna fall forward? Is he gonna fall backwards? And kind of dodging, and yeah. finally falls backwards. Does like some Pretty good, like, yeah. yeah, does a little comedic parts with that. Like, like yeah. But overall, really good episode. Highly yeah. recommended. Yeah, I recommend it too. Oh yeah. Uh, with that, would you like to get into? Oh wait, no. Let's choose next week's random episode. Let's do it. Hey, I lied. We're not uh, choosing the next episode <laughs> for next week for two reasons. Uh, first off, uh, we're not going to be here next week. Yeah. I'm going to be on vacation in Rhode Island. Beautiful Rhode Island. You're going to be taking the uh, Mecca uh, tour of um, doing like the uh, your pilgrimage to uh, to Cohog. To Cohog. Right, right, right. And you're going to be... Uh, I'm going to be a gay baby. <laughs> you're going to go see uh, Peter Griffin's birthplace. Uh-huh. Uh, Lois's death place, if yeah. I have anything to do with it. Because <laughs> I'm a gay baby who will kill Lois. <laughs> it's going to be fun for you. I'm, I'm really excited. You're going to uh, come back and you're going to... Oh, I'm going to come all right. Oh, yeah. You're going to come back, forward, every direction, <laughs> You're going to be leaving a lot of DNA. I'm going to be Rhode doing Island. a giggity giggity up in there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Cool. I know what you're saying. Um, yeah, so, uh, and also, uh, we watched a two-part episode, so, and uh, we're watching the TNG films. Yeah. Week after next, so. Yeah. You know, we don't need a new episode. Fuck it. Fuck it. So with that, we're gonna go right into the Klingon word of the day. Yes. You ready? I'm ready. Kapla. Are you ready? Today's Klingon word of the day is po, 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 which means skilled or be skilled. So you could say Orion slave girls are po at sucking a golf ball through a garden hose. Absolutely. <laughs> they could suck a golf ball through a soda straw, my friend. <laughs> yeah. A paper one, even. I would love a scene where, yeah, just so it was like, like all the life, all like just like Eric Soong's like cheeks. And skin just sucking to his skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> all the all the fluid in his body leaving through his he's, penis. He's just basically sucked into like a di- dehydrated orange. Yeah, <laughs> 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 he just removes all of his bodily fluids from his dick. <laughs> yeah. 
It's like, oh, that's all the cum. Oh, that's my blood. Uh, that's my endocrine fluid. What the fuck? You <laughs> <laughs> just got to be put in one of those like floating gel tanks afterwards. <laughs> just rehydrate. <laughs> yeah, they have to put them in a food rehydrator. Yeah. <laughs> like in Back to the Future Part 2. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it goes in and then comes out completely plump. Oh, it came came in and out all right. <laughs> well, that's the Klingon word of the day. Yeah. With that, would you like to get into some subspace transmissions? Let's do it up. All righty. Let's do it. Subspace transmissions. Subspace transmissions. Hey, it's Subspace Transmissions. It's that part of the show where we go on the internet and see what we can find out about this episode. Sometimes we read reviews. Sometimes we read factoids. Guess what we're reading this week? Facts. Ooh, I like facts. Cool. So, from the memory alpha for this episode. Mm. J.G. Hertzler makes his last live-action Star Trek appearance here as the Klingon captain. At this point, he had been a Star Trek guest star for 12 years continuously, starting on Emissary from 1992, the first episode of DS9, Mm -hmm. uh, with his best-known character being General or Chancellor Martok from DS9. Yeah. One of the aliens seen in T'Pol's cell is the same race as Tarquin. I don't know. Mm. Uh, The man who buys T'Pol at the slave auction is a Tellarite. In one of the few instances we actually see a live-action Tellarite Mm -hmm. in any of the 90s and 2000s series. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Big Show is in fact the second WWE wrestler to guest star on Star Trek Enterprise and the third to appear in Star Trek overall. Um, being that The Rock starred in Voyager mm-hmm. uh, in one episode, and Tiny Tony, Tommy Lister uh, was starred as Clang in the Enterprise episode Broken Arrow, yeah. or Broken Bow, the first episode. Mm-hmm. He's the Klingon that they have to take back to Klingon. Mm-hmm. Which uh, makes sense. Like, yeah, I mean, we have, like, you know, like, Klingons and Orions. That, that, that just calls for being, you know, like a... Massive wrestlers playing them. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Ma- it makes just makes entire sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so several new changes have been made to the Enterprise sets, including a new captain's chair, redesigned transporter pad, new door frames for sick bay, and all hatches change from dark gray to metallic blue, and several light panels and blue carpeting on the bridge set. Mm. And so they they took the uh, the whole like their mission, you know. Uh, in coming back to Earth and everything for a chance to do this, which I think was a good idea, but it was, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a little, too little, too late. Yeah. Didn't save the show or anything. Mm. So this was the first episode since the third season installment, uh, Azadi Prime, in which Enterprise appears without severe damage to its hull and interiors. Mm. The new captain's chair is a reuse of Picard's new chair seen in a deleted scene in Star Trek Nemesis, which is super interesting. The chair was also seen on the Starfleet vessel Intrepid in the episode The Expanse. Mm. While Brent Spiner had played several characters other than Data to this point, this was his first Star Trek appearance in which he did not also play Data. Nevertheless, Spiner here continues the tradition begun in TNG Season 1 episode Data Lore and the TNG uh, Season 4 episode Brothers of playing characters that might be thought of as part of Data's family. Consequently, this is Spiner's first Star Trek appearance without Patrick Stewart and Jonathan Frakes. Mm. Which is super interesting. Really? Yeah. Mm. Uh, 
Malik's claim to have five times your strength is the exact thing that Khan Noonien Singh told James T. Kirk in the Star Trek The Original Series episode Space Seed, on which he first appears, mm. which is a pretty cool callback. Yeah. This is the first episode since Bounty in which the Zindi are neither seen nor mentioned. However, several references are made to the events in the following episode, Zero Hour. This episode received an Emmy Award nomination for Outstanding Stunt Coordination by Vince Dreddick Jr., who played the uh, um, Klingon that got kicked through the hallway. Mm. So among the costumes and props from this episode, which were sold off on the It's a Wrap sale in auction on eBay, was an Orion pad and two neurolytic restraint props. Mm. Wonder if those things are still in someone's possession. Oh, they gotta be. Like, yeah. This is not something you just throw away, right? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Although, if like you know, like one of my family members died and I found that, I'd be like, "What the fuck is this supposed to be?" <laughs> yeah. on? Like, it's not functional. Like, what? what yeah, it looks like some little thing that goes to electronic thing. Uh, like you're like looking at the back of, your, of, t- of their TVs. Wonder if it goes on the back of that or something. <laughs> you're just like, "What is this? Is this a streaming device?" Yeah. Oh well, and then just like toss it in the garbage. But I'm sure it's probably like either on display in someone's house or just like in some in some um, bank or something, <laughs> just like in their probably. in their little thing, yeah. yeah. Or maybe maybe a museum or something like that. Oh maybe yeah, they could donate it to a museum. Uh, so Flox's comment to Soong about the deaths of millions of humans as a result of genetic engineering is a reference to the eugenic wars and Khan Noonien Singh. Excuse me. Eugenics Wars and the final fate of Khan, as of 2154 at least, are further discussed in the episode The Augments, the third episode in this story arc, mm. which uh, I didn't know this was a three-part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so maybe we won't do that episode. Uh, so this episode confirms Makos are still stationed on Enterprise, even though the Zindi mission has ended. This remains so for the duration of the series, which is interesting because mm-hmm. they were originally brought on board in order to do the Zindi missions. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. And uh, we're going to close it out with this one. Uh, this episode marks the first appearance of the Orions since the animated series episode The Pirates of Orion in 1974. Oh, wow. And their first appearance in live action since the original series Whom Gods Destroy from 1969. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. That is wild. That they just didn't have anyone from this race in Star Trek for 35 years. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize, but they never had a single Orion on TNG, DS9, or Voyager. Yeah, they were kind of, uh, uh, yeah, or Tellarites, or anybody, like, Mm -hmm. from, like, like the TOS thing. Like, it was kind of weird, like, and they were, were, like, some of the first races that we encountered. Right, exactly. (laughs) And, like, and then so... It's also super weird to me because, like, we don't see them on Discovery until they go far into the future. Yeah. And then there's, like... A million Orions. Yeah. And there's, like, one main Orion captain who's, like, the baddie of that season, basically. Yeah. There's the evil... Yeah. No. Oh. And then, like, yeah, and they're also, like, always in the background of, like, um, of, of, of like, uh, when they go to different planets, like, there's an Orion walking around. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. Like, why wouldn't you want to... That I feel that's a very easy alien to include yeah you just make them green that's yeah literally you just it. make them green you just dye them green yeah just... or maybe that's why maybe it is annoying to have all that green paint laying I around i mean come on it can't be more annoying than being like a zindi or something like yeah. that like basically everything requires more makeup and special effects <laughs> than the orions the yeah. orions were 
like a design that they created in the 60s and basically haven't changed since. No. Like in Discovery, like the Orion lady was just painted green and that's yeah. it. Yeah. I guess like <laughs> uh, the TNG uh, DS9 Voyager era was just like, you know what? Let's just put things on people's noses. <laughs> that's, that was pretty much it. <laughs> that's basically what they did with every single alien race is just like put some, make their nose look weird. I mean, Voyager did a little more voyager yeah. had species 84372 they mm-hmm. had the fucking trash people who yeah. were just like wearing big dirty spacesuits and they were all fat yeah um yeah yeah we had the pack lids and yeah yeah there was and, yeah yeah pack lids yeah there's there's definitely stuff yeah. Oh, yeah but you know like they're just like okay we're just gonna see this alien race for one episode mm-hmm. make their nose look weird <laughs> but yeah i would have loved to see more rides I, I think they're i think they're an interesting I mean, I do like how you know now we have like you know um, Tindy and um, yeah, yeah. and stuff and um, but Tindy's like the only one. They had the mm-hmm. other one on that DS Nine episode, but like yeah. I don't know. You figure for being like associated with you know the Federation for a couple hundred years, there'd be more than like one or two Orions. Oh, and there was one uh, at the end of uh, the finale of uh, Prodigy. Where I pointed, I was like, there was like one. Oh yeah, there was one product. There was one Orion, yeah, just but, like uh, that was in Starfleet. That was in the background. Yeah, it's it's strange though that like there's as many Orions in Starfleet as there are Klingons. Yeah, it's like Klingons already have their own empire. I don't know mm-hmm. if Orions. The, I mean, the Orion Syndicate exists, but mm. I don't. know. Are they like related to the Federation at all, or just allied with them? Mm. I don't even know. I do feel there's like friendly terms, and I also kind of feel like Orions were probably kind of replaced by Ferengi in a way because like they're kind of like almost the same kind of except Orions are more aggressive and ish i mean yeah. their Orions are like physically stronger obviously and bigger yeah. and then like and sexier yeah and the well, women not, are all about fucking so. yeah and i mean and the and manipulating through pheromones and stuff right right and so it's it's obvious why i think they got rid of the orion women trope for a while because yeah. it's you know pretty sexist yeah uh and it's not a great look no um, but which is why I actually liked the character that they brought in in Discoveries because she was kind of a badass and mm-hmm. one of the, the first cool Orions in a while. Yeah. Although she was evil, but you know, it's weird. Uh, on Discovery, the only good characters are evil. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're most interesting. Yeah. No, the only good characters yeah, the good are char- evil. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not talking about the interesting ones, I'm talking about the only good ones. Yeah. Uh, except for Saru. I think Saru's a, a good character. Yeah. It's, uh, you don't like uh, what's her face? No, <laughs> the redhead. Can't remember her name for some Detmer. reason. Oh, Tilly. Tilly. Oh, uh, yeah. No, you're not no. a Tilly fan. Not a Tilly stan. Uh, no, I hate Tilly. <laughs> yeah, she's annoying. T- Tilly like has like so much. She's one of those people like I, like she's one of those types of people who I can't stand being around in real life. Someone with like so much anxiety that it like displaces onto you. Yeah, I don't like that. That rubs off on you. Yeah. yeah. That's how, well. That's how every character is. Also, uh, uh, what what's in the face who takes the tr- the human who takes the trill? Oh yeah, that thing. Can't remember their name. I don't know. They're just like I can't stand looking at that person. And it's not. <laughs> I mean, it's not because they're. I'm. I'm envy. Like yeah. it's because they're a mouth breather, and and they're always standing there with just like the top of their top lips like lifted <laughs> up over their teeth, and they're just breathing through their mouth. And and, and it, 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 they they just like. Everyone I've met who looks like that before has spit that smells terrible for some reason. I don't know what it is, man. Yeah. But they look like they have spit that smells like garbage. 
I can't stand them. <laughs> and that's the problem that you think you know, they'd have fixed by the year 3000. You, you think so. You think yeah. they'd get rid of mouth breathers by that point. Yeah. Like, you know, finally yeah. we'd have and a I'll, utopian society where we all breathe through our fucking nose. And also just being like, you know, uh, a dorkable, you know, awkward, you know, type and stuff. It's, it's like, the, the awkwardness, like, is sucks because, like, they're, I mean, they're kind of like a young Sheldon type character, yeah. like someone who like thinks they're so good, but everyone else is like, what are you doing? Like, and they're, they, they have this like one line in the series that made me go like, fuck you. <laughs> like they're talking to someone and like, it's this incredibly awkward, uh, character. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're like, oh, well, the, the one thing I, I am good at is human connection. And I'm like. No, <laughs> no you're not. you make me uncomfortable and I'm a viewer. Yeah. Like, there's no way. Stop. <laughs> no, uh, gross. Yes. Hate that. Hate that. Fuck. And also the whole thing, like with Stamets, where he was like, didn't want to call him Envy or they, them or whatever. And then yeah. they had that like confrontation, like it's they, them from now on. And he's mm -hmm. like, okay. Yeah. I'm like, We've already had that discussion. Now. Straight up, straight up. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I mean, given the trajectory we're on, mm -hmm. there's no way we'd be having this discussion 150 years in the future, much less a thousand. Yeah, like, like pronouns are something that like people care about basically in every working environment now, and you don't think Starfleet would adopt that somehow, mm -hmm. or or either that or. We don't, we, we are don't, they trying to paint a future where like envies really don't exist except in very small pockets? Because both of those possibilities are bad writing and very intolerant. And I guess there, I guess like there's a position for everybody in Starfleet except there's no HR person. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. That's a very good point. Which uh, yeah. I mean, it makes sense because like HR is the enemy of workers. Yeah, they're typically the most evil people you've ever met. Uh -huh. But still, so, so it's it's amazing. <laughs> the people who don't understand HR, uh, first and foremost, you need to understand HR doesn't work for you. They're called human resources, mm -hmm. and that's a ruse. Yeah. They're management resources, a hundred percent. Another way to think about it is they're called human resources because they treat people like resources. Mm -hmm they see people as a means to an end and a means to get the work done. And that's it. Like HR is there entirely to record things that their boss tells them to record in order to eventually fire you. Yeah. That's all they're there for. Mm -hmm. And you know how I know this? Cause I was a manager <laughs> and all my fucking bosses told me I needed to do this. And eventually I just had enough and basically quit the company and firestorm. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 fucking ridiculous. So like, you know, anytime your boss is like, "Oh, I'm writing you up for this," refuse. Yeah. Say no. Mm -hmm. Like, fucking take it higher. Always take it higher. Yeah. Like, take it to, to HR and like tell them how you feel. Tell them what they're doing. Tell them that they only work for management. And they don't, and they own. They don't work for people. Mm -hmm. Like, it's truths that they need to hear. But employees are so defeated and powerless that they never hear. Yeah. And so like when I quit the company, I basically like dumped all this on HR and uh like I I mean like there was a series of a long series of meetings where like I dumped some fucking truths on them. I called our HR manager a performance liberal, which yeah. was really funny cuz uh we were talking about uh the issue at the time was like I was giving pronoun pins mm -hmm. uh that actually matched like our font and coloring and everything yeah. to people who wanted them because there were several employees of mine who kept on getting misgendered. Mm -hmm. And that that's unacceptable, you know? Yeah. That's not okay with me. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, what's the most reasonable, like nonchalant way to do this? Give them pins, right? 
easy enough. Which that is w- something that you see everywhere. You see it everywhere. You literally see it at Fred Meyer. They they let people do this at like every other fucking grocery store, right? Yeah, and and like yeah, coffee shops, mm-hmm. like yeah, any, everywhere. Any, yeah, everywhere. Everywhere. Fucking Starbucks. And, Weed shop. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I was like, listen, like what you're doing here, like by this action, uh, what you're doing is anti-queer and anti-trans. Like yeah. you are literally saying that you would rather your customers have more comfort in not seeing pronoun pins than you would like comfort for your employees in being addressed as who they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and fucking, the fucking HR manager said something like, well, I, I uh, went down, I was in the gay pride parade in, uh, mm-hmm. in San Francisco a couple of years ago. I flew down there. So I'm an ally. And I was like, yeah, you may think that, but that is entirely performative. <laughs> you went to be in a parade and be seen publicly in a parade. And now when it comes to actually supporting queer people in a material fashion, mm-hmm. you're saying no. Yeah. And I mean, it eventually came down to the fact that like over a series of meetings, like I was like, so, I mean, I'm, I'm just dissatisfied with all of this. And like, you need to make like serious concessions to make this a not anti-queer company Mm -hmm. and what can you do to do that and i gave them like options and they were in uh the hr manager ultimately said well ron who was the ceo at the time and probably still is is unwilling to discuss that and i said i think you're unwilling to discuss that with ron and so i'm going to have to tenure my resignation and Mm -hmm. i walked out and never went back to that company again although i really should throw a bunch of bricks through their windows yeah with pro worker messages on them yeah down the line but if that happens, it's also could potentially be someone completely uh, different. Oh yeah, I mean, if someone throws <laughs> bricks through their window, it's not going to be me. They just got the idea from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so you know, so you know, what? it's probably not going to be you. No, it's definitely not going to be me throwing bricks through their windows. Mm-hmm. No, 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 <laughs> definitely not. Yes, <laughs> that happens. That's purely coincidental. Super coincidence. <laughs> we love a coincidence, don't we, folks? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Speaking of coincidences, coincidentally. About time for the end of the show. Oh, shit. But before we go, I think it's time to say goodbye to someone who gave the ultimate sacrifice for the United Federation of Planets. Oh, hells yeah. It's a Richard Bitcher. Richard Bitcher. Will the awaitings be a bitch? And somebody had to die. But thanks a lot. Time to beam up to that big red shirt in the sky. Everybody, it's the Red Shirt Obituary. Oh, yeah. Today, we remember crewman Richardson, a science officer serving aboard the USS Enterprise D under Captain Jean Luc Picard. Mm. Richardson succumbed to injuries from a firestorm on the planet Bersalis 3. His team was using their phasers to create resonant disruptions in a force field to wait out the storm, but Richardson's pocket did not maintain integrity and he was thus lost to the storm. Mm. Perhaps most interestingly, nobody knows who played Richardson, and he has remained uncredited on his episode for nearly 30 years now. Wow. Weird, right? Just the guy that they got off the street. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, completely (laughs) uncredited. Like, no one's ever come forward and taken credit for it. Like, uh, you know, in most of Star Trek publications and stuff, it lists all the guest stars and everything, but this guy was never credited. Interesting. He's not been recognized as, like, one of the stunt people or something who, like, were often their extras, so who knows? Yeah, if you're out there, why don't you get why don't you let him know? Yeah, come on, Richardson. Let us let us know. If you're listening to this, 
be a be a Dickerson. You know what? Now. He could be missing out on residuals. No, he couldn't. Nah. No, un- uncre- <laughs> uncredited actors don't get residuals according to SAG. Damn. It's, yeah, only credited actors. Then never mind. Uh-huh. Yep, sorry. SAG's <laughs> got the rules. Um, so rest in peace among the stars, Crewman Richardson. And thanks for your contribution to the greater good. I guess. Yeah. R.I.P. Bozo. Yep, thanks. Faceless, nameless Richardson. Mm-hmm. Actually has a face and yeah. a name. Supposedly. Yeah, we just don't know the actor. Could have been a tulpa. Could have just appeared out of thin air. Yeah, or a ghost. Mm. Ooh. Are you saying <laughs> he was a ghost? <laughs> or no, I'm sorry. The, the line is, are you saying you were attacked by a ghost? <laughs> so, what Lies Beneath from 1999. The um, um, What's his face? Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Actually, honestly, a pretty good movie. Still stands up. Pretty I, good thriller. Pretty good. Thriller. I only had it on in the background one time. I never actually watched it. I had it. I put it on, then just kind of like dicked around on something. It's else. it's it's one of the better like latter day, um, uh, fucking Harrison Ford films. Like mm-hmm. before he goes completely old. Oh well, we're gonna get completely old uh, with um, the new um, Indiana Jones that comes out. I mean, they're they're de aging that, but it's not gonna do any good. I, I mean, yeah. I, so they actually played a um a trailer uh, when I watched Avatar the second time. I, I watched Avatar the second mm-hmm. time, by the way, of course. Yeah, so uh, did I. I watched. Yeah, it I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so fucking good. <laughs> oh, wait, did you watch it a third time? No, not oh, third okay, time. Okay, okay. I wanted to go a third time on Christmas, but it was sold out. Oh wow! The theaters though. Surprising. Well, I mean, sold out, but I mean, like the only seats available were like the, the right, front. right, at the very front. Yeah, and yeah. I was just like, no, I'm yeah. not, I'm not killing my neck yeah on uh the day after or no christmas eve actually we went and it was surprisingly mm-hmm. like empty yeah it's um, funny but yeah which is crazy because the movie is uh it's already crossed a billion dollars as of yeah. tuesday mm-hmm. and uh we're looking at i think like 1.5 billion by the end of the weekend which damn is, that's like, wild nuts yeah yeah i mean fucking shit's got legs man people want to see it it's a it's a that's the thing about cameron is like he makes Movie theater experiences. Yeah. James Cameron doesn't give a fuck if you buy his DVDs. Yeah. Like, because when you think about it, like, a Blu-ray costs, you know, about twice as much as a movie ticket, right? Mm -hmm. The thing about that, though, is, like, you know, you actually have to produce a Blu-ray. And so there's costs there. Like, they've already made the movie. There's no more costs in distributing it, really. Like, people just pay for the distribution fee, so... Mm -hmm. You know, he uh, he cares more about people actually going to see his fucking film than he does about people watching it at home later. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's also like a film that should be experienced in yes, theater. Yes, like, um, yeah, like it's, just, it's like the sound and yeah. like the the visuals are mm-hmm. look so much better on yeah. big screen. Like, yeah, which I mean, I've been thinking about going back and watching the first Avatar, but I'm like, eh, here. But at the same time, I have a projector now, so that's pretty fucking yeah. cool. I could probably do it. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I saw it in the IMAX when. The, so it looked pretty sick. Yeah, I, I initially saw it in Super IMAX. Wow. And that, uh, the one at uh, Pacific Science Center, and that mm. screen is way too big. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that was awesome about it was the sound was insane. Yeah, I saw uh, Dunkirk at that theater. Was, yeah. And yeah, the Super IMAX. That, that must have been great. Yeah, Dunkirk, uh, yeah. Yeah, like Dunkirk was great because it's like, because there is just like a lot of just open space. <laughs> that, and that's in and that also movie. the entire film was filmed on film IMAX. Yeah. which is something no one's done in a long time. Oh, yeah, Dunkirk was, like, rocking my body. It was like... like yeah. It was, like, a, it was a good movie. There's great behind-the-scenes uh, stuff of um, uh, Christopher Nolan basically mm-hmm. just murking, like, 
$20,000 cameras. Because he's like, all right, I want this shot to look like a plane actually going down. So we're going to put this like $50,000 camera in the plane and make it go down. And then- With respect. Yeah. And then then it shows him like recovering the fucking like camera and it's all fucking mangled and it's just them recovering all the film and shit like that. Wow. Did they have like black box stuff on it or something? No, no. They just like destroyed the camera. Crossed their fingers. Yeah. They just wrote wrote it off. uh, Yeah. And just like, yeah, just recovered the film directly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like how many times they do it and like, cause like they go and like the film's completely destroyed. Yeah. Just blew up. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) Well, rig up another one. Mm -hmm. That's sick. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, One, one more time. Go see Avatar, The Way yeah. of Water. Yeah, go see it. It's you sick. dumbass. It's really good. Yeah. It's... Makes you want to fucking go to Pandora and make a whale friend for the rest of your life. <laughs> or if you're me, it makes you want to fuck a Navi. Yeah. <laughs> Which one day I'm, I'm really rooting for you. Thank you. I mean, you know, <laughs> fucking. Uh, oh, you know what you should do? You should like, um, you should uh, have your brain saved. Mm. And so then, like, one day when we actually go, you can be cloned. I should put myself onto an isolinear chip like Janeway. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. there's no way I couldn't fit my memory onto there. Yeah. <laughs> I, could, I could probably use, like, a, a 256K flash drive. Yeah. Or, like, a zip disk or some shit. And just leave, and just leave, like, a, leave like, a will that says, like, please load my, my memories into Avatar. Yeah. Into an Avatar body. Yeah. Load my memories into an Avatar body and load my ashes into a bong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the way I want to go out, folks. I think that's what Epstein wanted too. Jeffrey Epstein wanted his like brain and his penis saved. And you could do the same thing. Uh, <laughs> no. And just like insert it into like a random twelve year old every week. Yeah. Um Yikes. Yikes. Uh, so <laughs> with that, yeah. Captain's log. Well, that's all, folks. Looks like it's time for us to warp away. Be well, travel safe. And this Ferengi rule of acquisition number seven says. Keep your ears open. Mm. All right. Well, thanks for checking with us, soy boys, girls, and other worldly beans. Hang Hang dong and shocker. Soy, 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 Motherfuckers in the house, in the house, motherfuckers, motherfuckers in the house. Woof, woof. Uh, why are we recording 